and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 136th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 528th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 29th, 2019. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Actually, for the offseason, there were a number of choices for this week's banner moment, most of which came out of Archie Miller's speech in Evansville earlier in the week. Could have been the continued positive news on the health of Jerome Hunter, the glowing stories of Joey Brunk's leadership, or the growing enthusiasm over the Mike Roberts hire. But instead, I chose a word that Archie used to describe his role during that speech, as well as during a Q&A at the fantasy camp chronicled by the Hoosier hysterics over the weekend. And that word is caretaker. It's an interesting choice of words, but one that to me clearly demonstrates his reverence for the history of the program and the responsibility he feels to carry on that IU basketball tradition. So whether it's the generous donations from Vic and Cody for the Players Lounge, Calvert Chaney going out of his way to stop by that fantasy camp last weekend, Brian Evans showing up to coach one of the teams at the camp, hiring Mike Roberts, or the project that Archie described where he wants to get any former player to sign a cutout of the state of Indiana, there's clearly an emphasis on getting former players more involved in the program. And sure, wins have to come at some point, and no one wants that more than Archie, but his comments and actions should serve as reassurance that he gets it. He gets how important IU basketball is to the state. He gets how important IU basketball is to the fans. And it's also worth noting in in that video of the speech, Archie continues to just look more comfortable, and he's starting to let a little bit more of his personality show. I think part of that comfort comes from his continued efforts to assemble players and coaches that seem to be made in his image and truly value what it means to play for IU and in their own way serve as caretakers of the program, just as he's setting out to do. And with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts for this week's show. To my left, he is a veteran high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and still the only member of the Assembly Call team with his own theme music. Coach, what's on your mind this week? You know, I start since Sunday when Jared shared all that. I've now been playing that uh, when I enter the room where Mrs. Coach is, and she doesn't find that uh, quite that funny, but. Um, so uh, I had to come down here in the man cave and, and talk to you guys. Uh, the, this week in Indiana basketball, there were several things. I thought the uh, fantasy camp thing really was a lot better than a lot, a lot of people thought. And we got updates from the inside. And you saw the coaching staff intermingle. And I think, you know, your banner moment speaks volumes that I do think the program is in an attempt to unite. Uh, and it's been separate and divided for a while. So that, that was good. Also, the schedule is always interesting when you can look and see actual dates and, and where the team is playing. I think we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but there's some interesting flow to the schedule, both month by month and, and, and week by week. There's some interesting components to, to when the schedule, um, when the team is scheduled to play. And then, man, what an, for me, and, and being an Archie fan, listening to, to his uh, complete 50-minute uh, speech at Evansville, there was a lot of information there, and I think, again, it, it, it gave uh, fans a, a little bit of a inward look to the program and might be a little bit more positive than, than a lot of us uh, might be thinking 
uh, given the loss of a couple outstanding players. So there were several things this week uh, in Indiana basketball that uh, are interesting to talk about. Yeah, I, I talked to Coach a little bit last night, uh, and I think he was still kind of recovering from uh, from watching that 50-minute video of Archie. So I think he we got him a, a cold shower, and he's ready to go. A little flop he's sweat, a little yeah. – uh, just needed a break. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm ready. All right. And to my right, he's a senior writer at the Big Lead. He eats cereal for dinner, and he's baffled as to why the recent Indiana basketball fantasy camp didn't include the opportunity to be interrupted by him on a podcast. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Jared wrote that, didn't he? Uh, he did. I have too many other technical <laughs> things going on right now that I can't possibly think on my own. So uh, I may be in like full Ron Burgundy mode here pretty soon as I uh, yeah. read through the ads and things like that. So I don't blame you. Um, no, I think uh, it was great seeing all of that fantasy camp stuff. I mean, uh, Eric from Hoosiers Hysterics was showing a lot of it and a lot of stuff popped up just from around the um, just from around the web. And, and it was really cool seeing all that seeing everybody interact also seeing victor oladipo looking really healthy in a couple of videos we saw uh pulled out of him working out and things like that so i think that was my 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 favorite thing of the last week i think you know the the jerome hunter news was was certainly the biggest bombshell to come out uh that he is now going to be able to work out with the team and, and and practice and do all the things they're allowed to do right now uh, has not been cleared to play yet, but this is a step in the right direction. And it's it's another one of those things that you have to sort of, you know, things you have to check off on your way to being able to play again And uh, for Jerome. And I think that all of us had heard some really, I think for a while, it heard some really negative things. But then over the last couple of weeks, it had been really positive, maybe months even, it had been real positive. And uh, I think that that, that is... Uh, certainly a big deal for this team and, and this program because they really need him. And, and and I think that all of our projections for this team were based around having him. So uh, hopefully, you know, it's all good news from now and, and it continues to, uh, to improve and he can get back and, and get on the court in full capacity soon. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. I think we've alluded to, to really both of them. I mean, the bulk of the show, uh, we'll spend talking about the schedule, which was released last Friday, I believe. So the day after we recorded our last show, and then we'll uh, try to do what any IU fan would do at this part of the year and try to uh, parse a whole lot of meaning out of 50 minutes of words from Archie Miller and figure out what that might mean for this year's team. Uh, and then, as always, we'll answer your questions in the third segment. All of that is coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get into all that, I do want to provide a quick plug for our private IU basketball discussion community, which we host at assemblycall.com slash community. Which, uh, in which Ryan and I definitely need to start participating in more often. Jared is a really smart guy. He's definitely right about that, as evidenced by him uh, writing, all, writing all this down. Good for him uh, for weaving that in. But we do host a community on Mighty Networks, which, if you haven't tried, is an amazing platform. Basically, it gives us a private social network dedicated to Indiana basketball away from the noise and nonsense of Twitter and Facebook. And they have a free app for your phone that makes participating really easy. There are daily poll questions, insightful discussions, links to articles you should read, a live chat feature that we use during games, and so much more. It's also where we compile questions for our mailbag segments, and soon you'll have more access to me and Ryan there because we love you as much as guy <laughs> love you guys as much as Jared and Coach do. Plus, we're planning some next level content for the new season. Ben Ladner is developing some basketball 201 materials. Coach Tonsoni just published the first edition of Coach's Corner, and we have more in the works as well, all of which will be available only to members. Community has over 800 people in it right now, 
and it is truly for serious fans only. That's why we made it a paid community. It's an expensive platform to use, and we want to keep as many of the trolls and whiners out of there as we can. So go check it out at assemblycall.com slash community. You can pay $3.99 per month, or you can pay annually instead and get a huge discount. And if you've already donated to the show before, you get in for free. So just email Jared at jared at assemblycall.com. Again, the URL for that is assemblycall.com slash community. We hope to see you there, Ryan and I especially, because we're going to start participating a lot, every day, sometimes twice, according to this copy that I've read verbatim. Uh, Gee. Yeah, Who decided that? Yeah, Jared really shoehorned that in, uh, knowing that I would be incapable of processing things as well. So I do need to do a better job of getting in there. That's fair. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, it seems like a lot of really, it really engaged folks in there. I do know coaches in there quite a bit, uh, and we've gotten a lot of positive comments about it. So would encourage everybody to uh, to check that out, especially as the season gets closer. So wanted to talk first uh, a bit about the schedule. Uh, I think Coach and I have a couple uh, potential bracketology-related takes that we can uh, weave in as well. Uh, but I kind of broke this up into a, a few different segments um, that we can talk through. So the first is is November, which really uh, should be – if IU doesn't emerge 7-0 and from November, uh, we'll probably be having some uh, difficult conversations, I would imagine, on the post-game show. Um, and so while – done it, that before. Well, we have. And, and so while I think it's likely uh, that – that we get a little bit monotonous potentially in what we talk about after these shows, given, uh, you know, given some of the teams that that schedule features seven home games against Western Illinois, Portland state, Northern Alabama, Troy, Princeton, Louisiana tech, and South Dakota state. Uh, if you look at Bart Torvik's rankings, Princeton is just inside the top 100. Louisiana tech is the only other team inside the top 250. Uh, I think they're around 125 or so the last time I looked at it. So that feels to me like, Yes, you've got to get some wins. It also feels to me like a, a situation where, uh, you know, potentially, the, you know, the, the staff learned from what we saw in the in who made the tournament last year that in some cases wins were just that much more important. And for a team that has a lot of things to probably sort out from a rotation standpoint uh, and things like that, probably a good way to start. I think from a, you know, fans perspective, I would probably not be super excited to pay a bunch of money to go see uh, some of these teams. So I do think there's some legitimate gripes to be had there. But, uh, you know, Ryan, any takeaways from, you know, kind of that composition of the early schedule from your standpoint? Yeah, it's weak. I mean, it's weak, but at the same time, this team probably needs a weak start. I mean, last year, the schedule was pretty brutal up front and it they didn't get into the tournament because of it. You know, I mean, so it's it's hard to reason with, you know, when you look at what the committee did last year, it's hard not to take the approach that, all right, we need stack wins early in the season. Big Ten's going to be tough enough. We need to stack wins. Now, I'm not advocating having sub 300 teams on your schedule, but after last year where their resume, as far as who they beat and things like that, and, and where they were in the Big Ten and all that, it stacked up to the point where, you know what, they took a chance, had a really tough schedule early on. It came back to bite them and they didn't play well, but you know what? They were, you know, uh, given their wins, they probably, all other things considered, should have been in the tournament, but they didn't have enough overall wins. You got to stack wins now. That's what the committee wants. Now, in two years, it may be completely different and it may be, look, you can go five, you can go a game over 500, but if you play tough teams, we'll let you in. But right now, that's not what the committee's doing. And so you have to judge your, you know, schedule and, and everything else based on what's going to get you into the NCAA tournament right now, 
starting November like this is going to get you into the NCAA tournament if unless your season falls apart. Uh, also worth noting that Princeton will have a freshman from my alma mater, La Jolla Country Day, right down the street. So uh, I will. It's nice that I'll actually have a chance to watch him play on television. They just won a state title last year, so I'll be excited to watch Brian Langworth play. So, but uh, other than that, uh, you know, November is It looks like it's going to be what we expected, which is not a lot of good teams and Indiana really easing into the season. Yeah, so the rest of the non-conference schedule, even though they're the Big Ten games uh, woven in here, I, I, we'll just go through the rest of the non-conference first. So you got Florida State at home on December 3rd, UConn at Madison Square Garden on uh, December 10th, Notre Dame in the Crossroads Classic on the 21st, and then Arkansas in Bloomington on the 29th. So uh, of those, Notre Dame is ranked the best uh, on Torvik's site at 22nd. I haven't really seen them in any other early top 25 type things, but uh, I do think they'll be improved over what they were last year. So I think this feels like four chances for good, but not necessarily great wins, a couple of neutral court opportunities. Uh, Florida state has been, you know, lost quite a bit, but it has a good track record over the last few years. So uh, coach, what are your thoughts on kind of, as you think from a bracketology perspective, like what's a, a minimum record that you think, you know, I think we all believe they should be seven and zero in the, that first set of games, but in those other four non-conference games, what do you feel like a, a minimum is that they need to uh, accomplish there? You know, I, I think, to be honest, three and one, because, you know, they're not the really strong teams like last year, Marquette and Louisville were two wins that really kept Indiana, despite the 13 game, 12 losses out of 13, kept them in uh, discussion. And then you added, you know, the Wisconsin, Michigan state wins, and you had six top wins that kept Indiana in the discussion. I think Indiana is really going to have to get those top wins in the big 10 this year. And therefore I think, you know, three and one would really, I think, make me happy as a bracketologist uh, for Indiana. The other thing about the schedule is just the order of the games have really been uh, – Marquette was a Gavit games, and Indiana's not in the Gavit games. Uh, so that game w- was replaced with with a, an easy cupcake game. But Arkansas is still on the schedule from last year. Notre Dame and Butler in the crossroads switches every year. That's kind of the same. UConn replaces Louisville which is not as uh, tough a team, but that game replaced that. And then FSU replaces Duke because of the ACC challenge. So really there's only one, you know, we're down one game that was uh, a power five school and the teams on there are a little bit weaker than, than neat. But I think that's good for this team. And as far as the November, December thing, I think it really, the good thing is you can build your team. You can get people who haven't played uh race Thompson. And if Jerome Hunter is cleared, he can come in and play and get their, you know, their legs underneath them and then hit the tough part of the schedule. The bad part is there's no easy in between the tough games. You know, usually you have um, some of those easier games in December over Christmas. So, you, you know, you can get ready to, to face the, the big 10 grind. So they're not, they're not mixed up, but I don't think it's extremely too far off of last year other than the Gavit game not being replaced. And I think if this were a veteran team, you would have seen that replaced uh, with a bigger name. Yeah, I just I, like to I just like to thank the Big Ten ACC Challenge folks for not giving us North Carolina or Duke again. It feels like we played them every single year. So uh, uh, thank you for Florida State. Not that that's going to be easy, but it's just different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree with Coach that 3-1 and one feels like where you want to be in those games. I think that was a really good point you made, that it starts slow, which I think for this team makes sense. Uh, as as fans, we all have a lot of questions, and it gives a chance for 
some of those to be answered. But to your point, once it gets tough, it stays tough because the only other games in November are the two Big Ten games that you have, the first of which is at Wisconsin, which certainly don't need to tell anybody what a house of horrors that has been. Uh, And the other one is a home game against Nebraska, who's got a a huge transitional uh, aspect to their roster, just given Fred Hoiberg coming in, a lot of that. So that may be one of the easier games of the bunch, but it is a Big Ten conference game, so you can't really take anything for granted there. Um, So those two games feel like they give you a chance to go one and one, at least not fall behind the eight ball and and start 0-2. At at that point, though, you get into January, and I kind of, I broke this out by month. So January for IU features at Maryland, Northwestern at home, Ohio State at home, at Rutgers, at Nebraska, Michigan State at home, Maryland at home, and at Penn State. So if you look, there's four games in there against, I think Michigan State, Maryland, and Ohio State are somewhat of a consensus top three in the league at this point, uh, at least in any projections I've seen. So you got four of your eight January games against those teams. Um, You've got another game against Nebraska, which again feels winnable. Rutgers has been tougher. Road game there. Road game at Penn State. I don't think anybody knows what to make of them. Northwestern at home feels like it should be a win. Um, So pretty challenging start to the to the schedule uh you do have you know an even mix of four home games four road games but you do have uh you you learn a lot in terms of where they're going to be in the big 10 by uh how this starts so ryan anything stand out to you during that stretch well first of all as always i hate the early december big 10 games i think that's horrible and we're going to complain about it this year so people listening just prepare yourselves um as far as january like early january goes I, i think that you, the at Maryland game is going to be tough. I mean, that's the first, uh, you know, real con- that's the first conference uh, game in the new, you know, as the, after the calendar changes, and um, that's just going to be tough. It's going to be one of those where you got to go on the road and you got to perform your best. But getting Northwestern Ohio State, I think those are both winnable games. Um, Ohio State, not a not a bad team certainly, and and uh, often a pretty good team. But uh, I think you got to win that one at home. And and then you look at at Rutgers at Nebraska. I mean, those have been tough places for IU to play, as you mentioned. And then Michigan, Maryland, Michigan and Maryland at home. Those are games. I mean, quite frankly, those games you got to win at that point to establish yourself as, as one of the, the teams that's going to compete for big 10 title. If you're going to, or the top four in the big 10, if you're going to do that. So it's a tough January out of the shoot. And, and, and it, Look, those those early season uh, Big Ten games at Wisconsin and then at home against Nebraska are going to be tough too. So um, it's it's just not. I mean, there's no easy, there's no nights off in the Big Ten. There really aren't, and and so we expect that. And um, you know, whether home or road, you expect to have some some tough matchups pretty much every time you step on the floor. So this team just got to be ready for that, especially you know without a leader like Jawan Morgan and and without a, a guy who you can give the ball to. Um, and who's a lottery pick like, like Romeo Langford to go win you the game. Um, it's going to be a different team this year. And and so we'll see how they handle it. Yeah. Coach, any, uh, any thoughts of you January? Do we move to February? Well, you know, January, when you look at the, the home games, uh, you have three of the top teams at home. So January is going to be very important. And, and I'm a big believer in, in protecting home court and how, you know, can you get out of the Big Ten schedule eight and two, nine and one at home? I think that's really great for Indiana. I don't know if they have the team to do that, but boy, if you could protect home court and then sneak a few on the road, I think you're looking at a tournament team, and I think that has to be the goal for Indiana. But you have Northwestern at home, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Maryland at home, 
that's a time to do some damage if you can, if the team's up to it. And, and what's nice is you've had that December to get ready for it, and then you 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 hit January, uh, and and you have some road games that are winnable uh, in there too. Tough, yes. I don't want to say absolutely at Rutgers, at Nebraska, at Penn State are winnable, but in the past those have been places where. They're close, but let's we could go get those. January might be an important month, uh, so you're not chasing a record to and not chasing to get into the tournament. Take a little pressure off uh, coming into five road games in February. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back and hit the uh, February part of the schedule, and then we'll dig a little bit more into some of Archie's comments in Evansville earlier this week. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. All right. Thank you, Christian. And welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and we're finishing up some discussion about IU's uh, schedule that got released last week. And so we left off at February. So February um, has seven games, four of which are on the road. Uh, It goes at Ohio State, Purdue, Iowa, at Michigan, at Minnesota, Penn State, and then finishing up with a road trip to Purdue. So they get Purdue twice uh, in that segment. They go to Ohio State. They go to Michigan, who I don't think anybody knows really what to expect. Uh, they go on the road to Minnesota, which is the seems like the most winnable of those road games, given uh, some of the players they lost. And then you got home games against Purdue, uh, which, will, which will certainly be tough. Iowa, which is a bit up in the air, dependent upon uh, Bohannon's status, and then Penn State at home. So you know, I don't think there's going to be uh, a whole lot of nights off in the Big Ten as usual. I think even the bottom of the league, save for a couple teams, is going to be pretty tough. So to, to sit back at any month and say, hey, this looks easy, uh, is probably not something that we're going to do. But, Coach, anything stand out to you about um, the, the slate in February? Yeah, I, I think I was seeing the first game in March uh, when I said earlier five games in February, but it is three home games out of five starting in February with the first game in March. And, um, that's that's going to be a, a real tough stretch for the Hoosiers, and again, why I think January is important to build up some equity there. The one thing about the schedule that I was intrigued about is is that there's time for practice in between. You know, the, two years ago when the conference tournament was early, everything was so jam packed, and it was game after game, and you had travel days in between. But this is Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. And I think that's an interesting thing as as we start season previews that we can look at to see if that's going to have any impact too. There's no disadvantage, uh, I think, you know, in in that day, that that kind of schedule. But um, yeah, you know, at Ohio State, at Michigan, that those are a couple games in February that aren't, aren't going to be exactly easy, although I don't think Michigan is going to be as good as they have been in the past. And, uh, again, find some ways to sneak some wins on the road and protect home home court, and, and I think that uh, Indiana fans will be happy. 
Yeah, I think the I, I believe if I'm remembering this correctly, there's a week off between that road game at Ohio State and the home game against Purdue. I might be wrong about that, but that speaks to your point of it doesn't feel like I think the Big Ten's done a little bit better job. I think the first year when they rolled out some of these early conference games and they did more of the like playing games on every day of the week, it felt like that year there was a lot of blowback for the the quick turnarounds. I think part of that was due to that was also the year the Big Ten tournament was at Madison right. Square Garden, so that didn't help either. Ugh. But I do think they've gotten a little bit more on a a regular cadence there and uh, nothing to confirm yet at this point, but uh, potential uh, we're, we're angling for the meetup, uh, the annual meetup to be on the Purdue game in early February. So uh, we'll let everyone know when that has been confirmed for certain, but that is uh, just to throw that out there. But uh, Ryan, anything stand I'm out a, to you I'm about a, February? By the way, in case people want I'm a big time proponent of doing it for the Purdue game on, on that, that day. So if it doesn't happen, don't blame me. Oh, blame boy. one of these other guys. It's, it's, it's not either. I'm free. It's yeah. not even these two either. It's there's there's a certain guy who is making it difficult. Um, wow. We won't name him, but he's not on this panel. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, nope. Checked again. He's not on this panel, uh, but we would love to do. I think that'd be great to be there for the Purdue game. Um, as for the rest of the schedule, I mean, it's, you know, I'm just looking at it and it's just, it's the big 10. It is absolutely just the big 10. It, you, you're looking and you're looking like, okay, there's a break right there. Maybe, maybe we'll get like three games in a row where we can just run the, run the table, chill, get some guys, some reps like that. That doesn't exist in the big 10 and it, and it hasn't for years. I mean, this, this conference is so deep with coaches, with, um, you know, good players, with good fan environments, with, with tough places to play all of that, that you don't get any breaks and there's and looking for a break is, is just, it's silly at this point. Um, it's a tough schedule and, and it was a tough schedule. It's, it's, it seems like we say that every year that, wow, this is going to be a real tough schedule. And the other thing is, is that teams want to say they beat Indiana. I mean, there's, you know, they want to say they beat Michigan state. They want to say they beat, you know, whoever else, but it's, they, they definitely want to be able to say that they beat Indiana. So you're going to get everybody's, you know, tough shot. No one's going to get tough a shot. They're not, you're not, they're not going to overlook Indiana. And, and so, um, I just feel like, you know, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm trying to think to compare it to last year, compare it to the year before. I mean, it's real tough. You're playing essentially the same grouping of teams in different order. And, you know, you might get a single play against one team you wanted, but then you're playing twice against a team that you don't want to play twice against. It's it's just, I, I just don't know if there's anywhere to find a gap in here where you feel good about that stretch of games. They're all going to be tough. And it's a grind, man. It really is. And it beats teams up. Yeah, so the the March schedule finishes at Illinois, and then two home games to close it out: Minnesota and Wisconsin. I think good to potentially have a couple home games. I I think if this team is gonna make the tournament, I doubt they'll be comfortably in at that point. So maybe ending with a couple uh, home games is a good thing. Just to go back to to Ryan's point, so the single plays for IU this year: teams they only played once, Northwestern, who they get at home, which projects to be the worst, uh, one of the worst, if not the worst, team in the league. Uh, at Rutgers, again, they're improving. Not necessarily a place IU has played particularly well. Um, Michigan State at home, so you only get them once. At least you you don't have to go to the Breslin Center. Iowa at home, uh, again, the jury's still out on what they might look like. Michigan on the road, not sure what they're going to look like. And then at Illinois, who a lot of people are high on, but a little bit hard for me to totally know what to expect from them. Yeah. Um, so we did have one schedule-related question, so I figured we'd kind of throw it in here, and then we'll transition to Archie's comments. So Brandon asked, 
Why does it seem like we've been skipping out on non-conference tournaments the last few years and knowing going back to Maui next year? I feel like we should be doing these tourneys every year. I don't know if either of you guys knows the exact rules about this, but I know that you there's some restriction on not being able to do um, the do. I think they, they classify them as like a restricted event or something like that where you can't do one every year. I don't know what the cadence is that you can do, but I don't believe you can be in those every year. And I also don't know as, you know, Archie takes over and tries to, you know, kind of turn the roster a little bit back to, you know, meet his philosophy. If that was something that they um, consciously opted out of for that period, I would imagine that at some point IU gets back to more of those because those tend to be November tournaments. And um, while much has been made of the crossroads and that being, you know, kind of prohibiting IU not really, something really schedule wise, it doesn't overlap with the vast majority of those tournaments. And it's not really a tournament. Let's face it. It's, it's really, I mean, yeah, it's just, I think the, the argument was like, you already have that. So you don't have, you know, it's one less home game that you have. You can't schedule a home game there. I don't know that I really buy that. I don't know that that's the reason I hasn't been in these tournaments, but I don't know if there's anything you guys would add to, to that piece of things. Here's, here's what I think is that <laughs> I think that if you travel to one of these tournaments or you're playing three games somewhere over the course of a week or whatever, uh, you're giving up home game checks and you're giving up a lot of attendance fee and a lot of ticket sales and a lot of merchandise and a lot of concession sales. So it has to be a really good one for you to do it. Maui is worth the trip because you face really good teams and your fans get to take part in a pretty cool experience. I hope to see you all there next year. Um, and it's it's something that is special. These kids, some of these kids have never traveled outside the continental United States. They get to go hang out in Hawaii for however long they're there, you know, like four days, five days. And um, so that's different and that's worth doing. Um, but other than that, as a university that packs its arena, for the most part, you're giving up a lot of money to go play in one of these tournaments. Now, is it good for the basketball program? In some cases, yes. And 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 sometimes, you know, do you want to do the Atlantis tournament? Do you want to do the preseason IT? Do you want to do these other ones? In some cases, I think it's really good for your basketball program to get, and it's good for your players to go see different parts of the world and, and country and go do things like that. But for the most part, it, you've got to outweigh those benefits to the benefits of the money you're making and the money that you make, you can then turn around and invest back into your program. So I think that's the consideration more than anything is outweighing the event is, is do, does the cost outweigh the benefit? Yeah. Exempt tournament is the word that I was looking for, not restricted, but anyway. Um, so, all right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Archie's speech in Evansville. Um, you, there was a media availability as well as a, a general about 50 minute speech slash Q and a, uh, that he gave, you can find both those over on inside the hall, uh, to look at, but, uh, coach, I'll kind of go to you first on this. You know, what, what really stood out to you as you, as you watch that and listen to that, um, at least one time, I mean, you don't have to say exactly how many times you listen to it. I know at least once, but what, what kind of caught your, what kind of caught your ear, uh, that you heard him say where you perked up a little bit and, and, you know, something you really took away that you think will be meaningful as we look forward to the season. Well, you know, everyone knows, uh, again, what I think about Coach Miller. I just like hearing him talk. He's a ball coach, and and, and that's such a change from uh, what what was before. But the, the coaching takeaway for me was his, his talk about humility, and I know that was a direct quote, and, I, and I'm going to misquote. He, I think he said authentic leadership. I, I think that tells me that the first two years were a little difficult to uh, get the team playing in the way that he wanted them to play. 
and, and that's that mental toughness, that togetherness, and not to call out any individuals who played in the last two years, but anytime you have a coaching change, the team chemistry issue is so, so important. And from what I had heard early last year before the season even started, there was a competition and a toughness question to the program. And I think that played out when things uh, he talked about handling adversity. So as a coach, those three things, the humility he wants the team to have some leadership things and, you know, handling adversity, they need to be able to handle adversity. I think that speaks to why Indiana has, has won 16 games and 19 games in two years and not made the tournament. And I think, you know, we've talked about Archie being relaxed. I think he has that kind of team where he feels confident they're going to reach their potential and, and whatever that level that is. I really was excited about Joey Brunk. We're hearing things from the, you know, uh, fantasy camp about Joey Brunk. And uh, that's just exciting because I, I think that's uh, important. Obviously, we'll talk about Jerome Hunter. Uh, those, those two players really stuck out as player comments, as he commented on every player. And then the, the third thing was to talk about changing up the offense, which in college, a lot of times you recruit people to your style of offense and you make a change, you know, every so often, but not uh, in year three, usually year three is your system. And he wants to go to a little more inside out and a little more cutting. And so that can take many different forms uh, in offense. It could be a high, low, it could, it could be, I don't want to say blocker mover, uh, but um you know, there, there's some what things you can do with a couple of bigs or bigger players as screeners and posts. And so it's going to look a little different. He said a little less spacing, uh, concern about the spacing. So I think last year it was get Romeo some room to drive and, and do some of those things that basketball is known for. But he's going to look to change and use uh, the personnel that he has. So those were my takeaways. And, and I think, again, that just upped the level of excitement uh, for me as a fan going forward. Yeah, the, the Joey Brunk stuff was was interesting to me. Um, you know, Eric on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast kind of relayed a story that he had apparently had gotten confirmed from a couple people that that basically during an open gym, guys were kind of ready to shut it down and leave, and somebody started walking out, and Joey Brunk basically ran over to the door and basically said, "No, we're not leaving. This wasn't good enough. We didn't go hard enough." And and so, um, just seems like from a, a leadership standpoint. Again, I feel like we're beating a dead horse with a little bit of this, but aren't you really going after guys who he sees himself in, in in terms of the way they approach the game? And and Brunk seems to fit that that mold really well. Uh, and so for a team that seemed that certainly lack vocal leadership, uh, for sure, you know, it seems like that may not be the same kind of issue uh, this year. Uh, to your point, you know, talked about the offensive stuff. I think some of that is personnel based and, and maybe you're trying to, you know, make other teams adjust to you. And, uh, and some of it, the market just comes back in line in the same way that, you know, people saw in, in efficiency to be gained by playing smaller and shooting threes and layups and all those kinds of things. Doesn't mean that you'll go away from that entirely, but maybe there's some, uh, you know, something to be gained uh, by, by using the te- this team strength, which is going to be its size. Uh, I thought the other a couple of things that, that stood out to me. One was talked about Al playing a little bit of point guard. We've all kind of wondered who the the backup for Rob is at the point. Uh, whether that would be a spot Demonte might you know slide back into if need be if Rob was out. He seemed to suggest that Al would be the guy to do that. Uh, and then the other thing he talked about was and some of this is you know they've got the open scholarships and that kind of thing. But he basically said there really wasn't anybody that you could look at and say you couldn't see an avenue to them earning playing time. 
which he kind of joked about, you know, some, sometimes you, you say that, but then you look at a guy and you're like, yeah, this guy's not, you know, he's not going to be ready. Um, not going to be able to play, you know, this year. I thought that was interesting. I think, uh, while there's not a full complement of scholarship players, I do think there's some depth on this team. You can argue the, you know, kind of top end talent of that, but I do think from a depth perspective, I think he likes what this team has. Uh, Ryan, anything that you either we hit on or that you, you, you kind of heard or, or read about that stood out to you? Well, I think the as we mentioned, the Hunter comments were were huge for this team because they didn't really have a guy who fits what he does. Um, you know, being kind of a wing guy who can score, drive, do everything, uh, even you know, shoot it with confidence. And and obviously, you're hoping that coming back for a year after an injury and not playing games that. If he does come, let's just assume he's healthy and plays, that he doesn't have to take too long to get adjusted. Uh, like we saw with a guy like Race Thompson finally getting in, you know, he sat out for a year um, and then had a concussion. And then it was just, you know, a long time of him sort of getting used to playing again. Uh, I think the, the Al Durham playing point guard um, uh, comments were interesting as well because Al isn't a, a great ball handler. And, and, but everybody keeps talking about how hard he's been working. Maybe we're going to see a big jump in that from him. And, um, I Ryan, think, how many minutes do you think the backup point guard is going to be needed? Cause the fantasy is going to be out there a lot. Mm-hmm. And can Al handle the minutes you would expect the backup point guard? Well, I think that Al's also going to play a lot, you know, I mean, I was right. going to play off ball so much that I but think when he's is, only the point guard, uh, you know, I don't know. I, he's not going to be your go-to guy, excuse me, guy in any of these situations. I'm thinking maybe it's going to be a five to 10 minute stretch or five to seven minute stretch a game where you're stealing minutes to get fantasy some rest. I mean, right. the fantasy is going to be a guy who's going to be over 30 minutes and maybe pushing 34. Uh, if, if all goes well, um, you'd like to keep that down. Obviously the season's a grind. You're playing more games than they did, you know, 20 years ago when guys could play 40 minutes a game every night. Um, so I think that it, it's really going to depend on that when they have it, someone other than fantasy in their point guard, they're going to be stealing minutes with. They're not right. going to be, you know, this is what we want to do. Um, I also think there can be some ball sharing there with with other guys too. So it's not going to be Al has to bring the ball up through a press. If a team starts pressing out of nowhere, they're bringing Finnessy back in the game to get him through it and then make them take the press off, then bring the other guys in, you know? And, and so I think that, yeah, you're going to be stealing minutes with it. And, and I'd like to see Al do that a little bit because I'd also like to see it flip and see him guarding point guards on ball. Um, I, I think he's going to get to do some of that anyway, but he's got such long arms and he's so disruptive def- defensively that making the opposing ball handler go up against him is going to be really an advantage to Indiana at times. So if you can get those positive things out of that, you know, whatever, seven to 10 minutes uh, where you need to rest fantasy or if he's in foul trouble, maybe extend it a little longer. Uh, that that's that that works for Indiana. The question is going to be the ball handling, and and again, we've heard nothing but great things about Al's work ethic this offseason. How hard he's been working. Uh, I also think the Joey Brunk thing. I think um, you guys mentioned it, but I think he's he's going to be a great addition to the program. I think we all thought that when it happened, and I think he's a kid who got overlooked and really probably wanted to go to IU coming out of high school. Got overlooked. Uh, didn't get the big time offers he wanted. Went to Butler. Had a good stretch there. And, and I think from a culture standpoint, he's one of those guys who, even if he doesn't contribute a ton on the court, which is not what we expect, we expect him to contribute. But even if he doesn't, from a culture standpoint, you're getting a huge boost from a guy who's mature, who's older, who 
you know, has already graduated college, is smart and, and is a big dude who can, who can do some things for you on both ends of the court. Um, but I just feel like everything we've heard about him has been glowing too. And sometimes you hear that and constantly you hear good things, hear good things. And you're kind of just like, mm, all right, well, I'll accept it, but I'm not sure how convinced I am. Everything I've heard from Joey Brunk, I'm convinced on. So I, I, there are other guys who you hear getting beefed up and it might be for their confidence. So they hear it too, but I don't feel that that's the issue with Joey Brunk. I think he's uh, going to be a great addition to the program. Yes. Yeah, so I want other- to touch on oh, the, ahead. the ahead, point guard thing just a little bit too, is that I, I agree with you. It's stealing minutes. If Finnessy's going to play 30, Durham's going to play a lot of minutes, but only 10 of them at point guard. That frees up Devontae to be free-minded and score. Uh, I think sometimes as coaches, you got to put people in position to succeed. And sometimes asking Devontae to initiate offense might take him away from his natural aggressiveness. And we know sometimes he'll make great passes, and sometimes he might not. But in the, in the flow of scoring – to pass and assist would be great, but I think that happens. And also it could be a two-year plan in case a Love or a Davis or a point guard does not commit in the next class and they go bigger with Geronimo and Cross and Garcia or something like that. And they have Lander waiting, hopefully, uh, down the line. So this gives Finnessy and Green or um, Durham two years to, to play 30 minutes, 10 minutes at the point guard. I, I think that might be something that's, that we're headed to see. Yeah, two other quick things uh, before we break. So one was Archie also talked about number of players to add next year. He said four to six, which I think caught some people off guard. Uh, based on my somewhat simple math, they've got two open scholarships. They'd lose uh, Duran and, and Devante. So if you're going to get more than four, that presumes something else is going to happen. But um, yeah, as with anything, you, you really just never know uh, how that might shake out. So I think they're still, while they have Leal and Galloway in the fold already, uh, it, it seems like they're still casting a relatively wide net to do that. And then just one thing with Hunter, and I'll make sure that I got I walked away with the same impression that you guys because we did get a question about this from uh, Sally to kind of clarify on his status. So it's my the way I interpreted all the comments was he's cleared for all the activity that they're doing. I don't know that he's necessarily cleared to play. Uh, it or seemed like whether like he was contact cl- practice. And yeah, like- it, it was hard to tell whether he was like cl- truly cleared for contact. I know Archie said he went through all the stuff they had done with kind of their first team teamwork today but you don't really know whether that involved contact or not so it seems like the contact piece is still a little bit of a gray area certainly the news is positive but i don't i don't want to make the leap to say like yeah he's definitely going to play this is what it is so i think it seems like it's been a process that's that's been the word that archie used and i think it's been used quite a bit these are positive things but to me he's not clear to playing games did you guys take anything different away from the comments in, in the way that you interpreted them no, I I got that he's not ready to play yet, but he's, you know, moving towards being. You know, it's it's another boundary he has to clear on the way to being fully cleared. That that's how I interpreted it. All right, good deal. Glad we could uh, glad we could clarify that. At least hopefully we could. All right, so uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll head to break here. And coming up in our third segment, we're going to answer your questions as we always do. So uh, we got a few good ones. We'll try to hit as many as we can in our uh, final segment. That's up next here on The Assembly Call. Stick with us.
This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thanks, Jordan, and welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Time now for our mailbag. All these questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, so the first question is from Scott. Uh, he asked, what do we think the starting lineup looks like to begin the year? Uh, front court options are fascinating combinations. So little said about Race Thompson. He's in year three practicing with the team and almost as much of a mystery as Jerome. Uh, so Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. What do you think starting lineup looks like uh, early in the season at least? Jeez, um, that's that's tough. I would say, uh, obviously, Finnessy's going to start at your point guard spot. I think that Al Durham's probably going to be one of the backcourt guys. Um, maybe Devonte Green back there too, but I'm I, I don't know. I think that you're going to get Trace Jackson Davis starting at the four, you know, with quotes around it, and and Deron Davis at the five. I just don't know who that fifth starter is going to be. I'm really, I think it's going to be a camp battle to figure out who that is, you know, and, and I think that they do, he's right. They do have options up front, a lot of options, and it's going to be interesting to see how they get mixed and matched, mixed and matched. And, um, you know, could a guy like Ray Thompson slide into the starting lineup at some point? Of course he could. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of depth there. Joey Brunk as well. Uh, the question is going to be that backcourt and, and, you know, what do they decide to do? How do they decide to pair those guys up? And how do they decide to deploy the other guys that, that are behind them? Coach, what about you? You know, quickly, the, your starting five might not be your best five, you know, or the five who gets your most minutes. So I do think Davis and uh, Justin Smith will start at the season just because they have a chance to earn that unless they get outplayed in the preseason. But, you know, uh, you got some talent there. Brunk is doing everything that Archie Miller wants. I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop in there, you know, and Trace Jackson yeah, Davis' start, talent. I can see Brunk start and not get the most minutes at one of those. You yeah, know, so, um, you know, I, I, the, the front-line combinations are going to be easy. Does Smith play any three? You know, we're all kind of queasy about that a little bit. Uh, do you go small with, uh, you know, the three – uh, returning guards and two bigs, you know, that would work if you're going to go inside out and guard cutting. So I'm not sure it's easy to predict, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Rob and Devante and right. probably Duran, I would say would be somewhat locked in to, to start. And I guess to a certain extent, I, I maybe feel that way about Justin. I think at that point it just becomes, is Justin going to play the three or the four? I think Justin's been kind of a guy who hasn't, gotten talked about a whole lot over the course of the off season. And Archie made some comments about him like he did with everybody else, just kind of around how much he's, he's grown over the course of his time there. So I think it just becomes, do you start Al and slide Justin into that four spot again? Uh, or do you play a little bit bigger and maybe start trace and slide Justin over there? So those would be my, that, that's kind of the swing spot for me, uh, which I guess leads a little bit into to this question from Michael Scott, uh, presumably, you know, from the office, uh, who is your pick that could end up you know, from Scranton? Uh, who is your pick that could end up being a surprise starter this season? So, I, you know, we've kind of talked about the depth. I don't know at this point, based on how hard we had, uh, hard of a time we had kind of figuring this out, if maybe anybody would be a surprise. But, Coach, anybody stand out to you that, that might be categorized as a surprise guy that works his way in as a starter? You know, um, 
I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that at some point, maybe, and I hope it's not because of injury or anything, uh, race Thompson, uh, what he did uh, against Hap and, and Wisconsin and, and having him fully participating. And, and I know that I've heard uh, some people share with me that I think coach thinks he's a real tough bulldog type of guy that if, if he really brings out everything, that uh, maybe he he can win a competition or two. I think that would be a big surprise to me. I, I don't. I'm not predicting that at all. But the other guys seem like they can start. So I'm I'm reaching deep to say who would be a surprise. Yeah, Ryan. Anybody stand? Yeah, Ray Thompson. It was my answer as well. I think that he's a guy who could have a couple of really good weeks of practice and sneak his way into the starting lineup. Um, you know, again, regardless of injury or anything like that, I think that he could definitely do it. So he would be my uh, my pick as well, Coach. Yeah, I think for I think for all the uh, maybe a couple weeks ago before all the positive stuff about Joey Brunk came out, he would have been an answer. But now I'm not sure that anybody would be surprised by that. So I'll I'll not uh, I'll not throw that out. Uh, we'll finish up with this one from Walt. How jealous are you that he didn't attend the Victor Oladipo IU fantasy camp? His his bigger question was if he did attend, what is the skill that would be your calling card? So Eric from Hoosier Hysterics, his calling card was he really wanted to take charges. Uh, so Ryan, I'll go to you first. What would be your calling card? Uh, interrupting, well, criticizing others. I was going to uh, say interrupting or correcting other people would probably <laughs> be my calling card. But yeah, extremely jealous. It looked like a lot of fun. I'm sure you guys have the same answer. Yeah, Coach, what would be uh, what would be your calling card? Uh, my calling card would be I would be the human highlight cigar. You know, when the game was absolutely won, that's when I would get my opportunity. Um, because the victory I, cigar. Yeah, I'll be the victory cigar guy that goes in at the last minute. <laughs> Nice. That's what I could bring. I like it. I like it. I, I don't know really sure what mine would be. P- potentially taking ill-advised shots. I'm not really. Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't know that I would be able to. I'm not really tall enough to provide a lot of rebounding. So, uh, and I'm not sure that the based on Eric's description of how it felt to take those charges on the floor, that did not feel like something that uh, I really wanted to sign myself up for. So I'd maybe have to uh, to give that a little bit more thought. But uh, we'll uh, we'll see. But that's all the time we got for questions. Um, we appreciate everybody joining us and that will uh, do it for this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to six, six, eight, six, six to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Rocket Pro Insight allows agents to send files on their clients' behalf and get to closing faster. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.